All right. We have been talking about this for quite a while. And what I want to do today is just go through some things and help us to have a biblical understanding of government and then try to have an understanding of uh, how we as believers ought to understand what's going on in the world. I believe that we're all going to learn something today, and uh, I hope that there's some things that you can take with you as we're, as we're done. The first thing that I want us to talk about is this. There are types of government. There are different types of government. The first type of government, um, this shouldn't surprise you, if God has a type of government, how many of you think Satan would have a type of government? Right? He's the great deceiver. So Satan has three types of government that he has introduced. The first is an antichrist. Remember the purpose of government. Go with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Look at verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. You see that? Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he that is the minister of God, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this, uh, for, for this cause, pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. All right, now, this passage of Scripture, it's interesting. It makes it clear the purpose of government. The purpose of government is to try evil, to judge evil and protect that which is good. That is the purpose of government. That's what government is supposed to do. And so, if that's what government is supposed to do, the object of a righteous and holy government is to establish a society that will direct people to God. Amen? That's what government is supposed to do. So, if that's what a righteous, if that's what a godly government is supposed to do, then what would a satanic government do? Just the opposite. Keep people from God. Drive people away from God. So, Satan has three forms of government, and God has three forms of government. The first of Satan's forms of government is an antichrist. Antichrist. Now, you understand, how many of you believe that Jesus Christ is going to return and take the believers away, and then antichrist is going to come and rule on this earth? How many of you believe that? And, we, of course, we do. And there's a, an individual called the antichrist who is going to come. But the Bible says the spirit of antichrist is already here. It's already here. And we see that in forms of government. So if government is direct to direct people to God and to judge evil, then one of the ways that Satan would try to inhibit that 
is to establish dictatorships. A dictatorship. Antichrist and a dictatorship would be very similar. It places a man in the role of Jesus Christ as provider and protector of the people. You see that? The dictator, he rules what people believe. He determines what people do. He determines whether they eat or not. He determines life and death. That is satanic. That's not found in the scriptures. That form of government, a godless dictatorship, is not found in the scriptures in a positive way. So that's the first one. The second one is an equality. An equality. That's a satanic idea. Socialism, communism, collectivism, redistribution. These are all designed to provide for a man's every bodily need so that he need not seek God, nor be overly concerned about the state of his soul. You know, there was a time when the farmers would pray for rain. They had to pray for a good crop. Things got hard. There was the rescue mission. And there'd be a place where you would, sure, somebody would give you a bowl of soup, but you'd hear the gospel preached in that setting. Is that right? Well, now government takes care of everybody's needs. Everybody needs a safety chance, a safety net. We've got to make sure that everybody gets a shot. Now, I want you to think about the way our culture has changed. The, uh, may the best... Now it's let's make sure everybody gets a turn. You see? The idea, incentive for improvement and an understanding of distinctions. It's all different. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that some people are... One one guy's a one-talent man. One guy's a five-talent man. One guy's a ten-talent man. And God's going to reward you according to what you do for the talents that God gives you. Do you all agree with that? How many of you understand there are people of different abilities in this very room? And all of us will stand before God and give an account based on our ability and our opportunity. Is that right? You know, so anyway, an equality, an equality. Why is this satanic? Because it takes, it tries to remove the laws of sowing and reaping. You see that? How many of you understand what I'm saying with that? Let's get an understanding of it. Here's what Karl Marx said. My object in life is to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. To dethrone God and destroy capitalism. You understand that those two things go together. Why? Because God, the Bible says that God despises a false balance. He despises that. He can't stand that. And so he established an understanding of capital. And yet, even in God's understanding of capital, he provides for those who are poor. Remember in the book of Ruth, what, were Ruth and, what, what did Ruth go out to do? To glean in the field. What was she gleaning? God ordained that everybody who had property, when they harvested, would leave a corner of that property for the poor people to come and be able to glean themselves. I want you to think about something. The government didn't come and take that corner and hand it out. The landowner and his employees raised that crop, harvested all except the portion that God had told them to leave, and then it was up to those people to come and get it. If they didn't get it, they could starve to death. 
But God, remember, God always cares for the poor. He does. But He establishes systems where the poor can help themselves. Is that right? Why? Because our idea is not to leave people in poverty. Our idea is to help them understand what God's system is. So you dethrone God and destroy capitalism. That's what Karl Marx said. Ron Paul, he said this. You don't have a right to something from government. Government has nothing. Whatever they give, they must take from someone else. Is that right? Is that fair? How many think that's a fair statement? Now, whether or not you agree with that statement, it's fair. It is fair. Now, uh, I don't know how you could disagree with it. The only way government has anything is if they take it from the people. Is that right? All right. And here's why. Uh, I want you to think about something. Karl Marx wrote in the middle of the 1800s, Ron Paul, Living Today. I want you to see something. Francis Wayland, he wrote Elements of Political Economy in 1837. Francis Wayland was a Baptist preacher, and he was president of Brown University in Rhode Island. Isn't it surprising that Brown University, one of the most liberal places in the history or on, on the planet, was a Baptist college. It was a Baptist training college for Baptist preachers. Francis Wayland, the Baptist preacher, he wrote one of the first and greatest textbooks. This is still studied at Harvard and other places. He wrote one of the first textbooks on economics. A Baptist preacher. This is a godly and biblical understanding of economy, elements of political economy. And look at what he said. It is evident that government possesses nothing. See, Ron Paul didn't make this up. All that it possesses is precisely so much taken from the annual revenue of who? Individuals. In this case, therefore, it really bestows nothing, but only causes a what? A transfer of annual revenues from one party to another. What's another word for transfer? Redistribution. You see, redistributive justice is communism. It's Karl Marx. So there are forms of government. There's a dictatorship that's a satanic form of government. And communism, socialism, redistribution, collectivism is obviously a satanic form of government for the man who introduced it said he wanted to dethrone God. Is that right? Now, look at this. Among the most civilized and enterprising nations, the laws of distribution are based on the recognition of what? See, what Karl Marx wanted to do was destroy the idea of private property. Amen? Let me put it in 21st century terms. You didn't build that. You see? Private property. In view of inequalities, which seem to spring out of this system, Theories have recently been broached which assail private property and demand its abolition and a radical revolution. How many of you recognize that's what's going on? Francis Wayland wrote this in the middle of the 1800s. How many of you think this is appropriate today? Seriously. See, these are not new ideas. Christians businessmen, economists, they have wrestled with these ideas and settled them a long time before the 21st century, before the 20th century. 
Remember, the 20th century, more people died in the 20th century than in all the previous centuries through wars. And who did it? Communists. Communism. Those are the people that kill people. All right? Now, what's the difference between communism and socialism? What's the difference? Communism is socialism in a hurry with a gun. That's it. Same ideas, same philosophies, no difference. All right? Now, look. Here's what Whalen said. Theories have recently been broached which assail private property and demand its abolition and a radical revolution which shall establish society upon some other basis. To these theories, the terms communism and socialism have been applied. Men like Karl Marx and Louis Blanc, who would have the working classes or somebody in their behalf take possession of all the property of the country to be administered for the general benefit of the whole, productive resources of the nation being under the management of the general government, resting on universal, equal, direct suffrage by ballot. So here's what they're saying. Everybody is going to be equal. All of the property is going to be administered and managed by the government. And then the people will vote on who gets the money. Does that sound anything like what we're dealing with? Seriously. How many of you would say that sounds like what we're dealing with right now? Now look at what Wayland said. It is enough to say that these theories, or to say of these theories, that experiments on the first, and he had dealt with communalism, and communalism doesn't work, right? The first communalism, the experiments on the first communalism have resulted only in sad failures, and that the second communism, look at what he said, untried as yet. So here, he has already passed judgment on the ideas. Remember, ideas have consequences. So thinking believers, people with a biblical understanding of economy and capital, they have already passed judgment on this before it was tried. All right? Look at Untried as yet proposes for some existing evils. So he's not saying everything's rosy. He's not saying that in capitalism everything is great. He's, nobody claims that. All right? So uh, proposes for some existing evils a remedy which must, unless human nature is completely transformed, prove worse than the disease. Sound practical economy must reject these crudities. The idea that you deserve something that someone else has is called covetousness, which is sin. It's a crudity. And it was demonstrably false before it was ever tried. And yet in the 20th century, more than 100 million people were killed in the name of communism, Marxism. It's very interesting. Seriously, how many of you think this is very interesting so far? It's fascinating. See, we have this idea that separation of church and state means that believers need to stay out of politics. That was never the understanding of our government. What is it? Separation of church and state. What, what, is that, what is that idea? Well, according to the First Amendment, that there will be no established religion. Government cannot establish religion, nor prohibit 
the free exercise thereof. Is that right? So the state can't come in and say that the Baptists are going to be the faith. If you're not a Baptist, you can't be an American. So they can't say that. But neither can they say you can't be a Baptist. Neither can they say that the Baptist preacher can't comment on these things. Now, what's interesting, there are some people that would say that we, just in these statements, we have already endorsed a candidate. All we've talked about so far are ideas. Is that right? Are we, are we now supposed to reject the free exercise of ideas? No. No. This is how we think. This is how we make decisions. This is the way thinking people have always had, had discussion, have always come to conclusions by weighing ideas and weighing facts. It's only been in the last 40 years that you had to put it on a bumper sticker to be able to communicate with people. Look at this. Now, this is, this is our problem. How many of you have heard that Barack Obama is going to create jobs in the next, you know, we've created 5 million jobs. We're going to, all right. Now, a law cannot create capital. Since if it could, there would be no necessity for any other labor than that of legislation. And in order to grow rich, a nation would have nothing to do but meet in public assembly and spend its whole time in making and hearing speeches and enacting laws. I believe, however, that this mode of growing rich has never been found remarkably successful. Man, if talking made people rich, I would be flush because I talk a lot. Uh, what? <laughs> Who's talking back there? Mm-hmm. All right, now. <laughs> Seriously, this is Elements of Political Economy, 1837. Oh, here's the deal. How many of you think that that makes remarkable sense? Why isn't this taught? Why don't we hear this? It's interesting. Now, all of you school teachers, some of you school teachers are going to grab this and take it to school with you. Nobody? None of you guys raised your hands? All right, that's it. Lock the doors. Look, this is such a great statement. And and think about the political discourse that we've been hearing. Again, Francis Wayland. In order that every man may enjoy in the greatest degree the advantages of his labor, it is necessary, provided always he does not violate the rights of his neighbor, first that he be allowed to gain all that he can. You know the fat cats? You understand it's only recently that successful people are considered evil. Right? Job, richest man in the land. Abraham, richest man in the land. Is that right? Only recently. Now, don't forget, Lazarus the beggar is given credit in in the Scriptures too. All right? So, now look. First, that he be allowed to gain all that he can. And second, that having gained all that he can, he be allowed to use it as he will. Look, it's not the government's business what I do with my money. It's nobody's business. Look, if Mitt Romney wants to invest in China, it's his money. 
If he wants to put it in a bank in the Cayman Islands, if it's legal, it's his money. Is that right? Uh, how is it? We're going to talk about Romney. Don't worry. But how is it that being successful, that buying companies that are failing and turning 80% of those companies around so that they're stronger today than they were when he bought them, how many of you think you ought to be able to earn money doing that? How many think you ought to be able to earn money doing that? Right? What, what people don't understand is that's what this country is about. Is that right? How many jobs did he save? And yet, somehow that's considered evil because the people that, mount, that, that are the most important are the workers. Is that right? Did the workers start the business? Did the workers invest their capital? No. But look, don't miss this. Labor is honorable. Labor is honorable. Those people working in those jobs, doing a day's wage, a day's labor for a day's wage, that is honorable. It is just as honorable as the man who owns the company. Not more honorable. Is that right? Neither is it more honorable for the guy who owns the company to invest his money and earn. That's not more or less honorable. That's called capitalism. And we all have our place in capitalism. Now, look, I'm going to get crude here for a minute, okay? In the original meaning of the word. There are some people, this is what they're able to do. Right? There are some people that are able to buy and save companies. Is that right? Who is more valuable to society? I'm watching. Some people are saying both. No, this guy right here is more valuable to society. Because for every one of this guy, there's about 10 million of this guy. That's why this guy makes $10, $15 an hour, and this guy makes $200 million. I didn't ask you who was the more valuable person. Do you see how our thinking has been corrupted? Our thinking has been corrupted. It has been corrupted. This guy, the reason he can earn $200 million is because the market says that the value of him is that. The reason that this guy makes $15 an hour is because society has determined that that's what that labor, that's the value of that production of that labor. Is that right? Now, we've got a real problem. We have a real problem when we think that the value of this is the same as the value of creating and investing. Is that right? Now, here's the deal. Is this man necessary to society? Praise God. Absolutely. Is this honorable work? You know, unless it's a slot machine. <laughs> this is honorable and necessary work. 
If that's all a man is capable of doing, or if that's the only job available to that man, both in both cases, that's honorable work, valuable work. Is that man valuable to society? Absolutely. What does he contribute to society? What does he contribute? Labor. Got to have labor. You've got to have labor. But you also have to have capital investment. If it's not for capital investment, there's no place for that labor to be used. You see? Now, how many of you think that what I just said is common sense? And yet, it's so unbelievably offensive to people in our culture. It's so unbelievably offensive to people in our culture. It should not be offensive. It should not be offensive. We should celebrate labor. We should celebrate success. We should celebrate work. We should celebrate capital. We should celebrate investment. Because God gives us the ability to work and He provides others with capital so that we can provide for people in need. That's what the Bible says. God has established a plan. And this concept of equality, all men are created equal, but the product of every man's labor is not equal. Is that right? It's just very simple. It's very simple when it comes down to it. it, it, it this, would be, this is a great way to gauge it. If we brought Tony Slade up here, and his job was to move things, okay? And you bring me up here, and my job is to move things. Tony is much more valuable than me. Why? He's stronger than I am. He's, he's scary. He scares me. Very strong. He's more capable than that. You know, I'll tell you where, where equality goes away. It's on the football field. You know, all these communists stop being communists when it's time for their team to win. Isn't that interesting? Because you can be the nicest guy in the world if you can't catch the ball or block or tackle or throw the ball. If you can't do one of those things, we do not need you. Go carry water for me. Go buy a ticket. Go sit in the stands. Go buy a jersey. Amen? Go get me my steroids. Whatever it is. All right. So this is important. He'd be allowed to use it as he will. How many of you think that our country is a mess? Seriously. Look, it is necessary that every man be allowed to gain all that he can. That is, that the arrangements of society be so constructed that every man be able to render his labor in the highest degree available to himself. You see, society should be constructed in such a way that every man's ability should be put to its highest possible use. Now, how is it possible? How is it possible to establish a society where every man, where every man is equal? You can't. We just demonstrated it. Tony Slade would be better at moving things than I am. Is that right? I mean, that's clear. That is clear. The idea of making that equal, the only way that, what's going to make that equal? Machinery. Machinery will make that equal. 
Because if we both have to do this, we can both do that. Is that right? So machinery started changing some of those things. Industrial revolution started changing some of those things. But the idea of society is to make it to where everyone has the opportunity to be successful if he himself will do the labor. That's the idea. It's very clear. All right, now, I want you to see something. Here's what happens when we get messed up with this idea of capital. Um, we've heard that there's like 3% inflation. How many of you have heard that? Inflation's about 3%. Well, you know what they don't count in inflation? Housing, food, fuel prices. What do you spend the most on in your life? Housing, food, fuel prices. Is that right? So let's get an understanding of what's happened. Look, 2009. We're not talking about 100 years ago. 2009, ground beef was 236 a pound. Today, it's 299 a pound. That's an increase of 27%. 27% inflation on beef. That's what happens. Here, bacon. Ty Blackford. <laughs> Amen. Bacon, 2009, 373 a pound. 2012, 453 a pound. That's an increase of 22%. This is actual inflation. You see it? How about this? Corn. In 2008, 2009, 406 a bushel. 2011, 2012, 610 a bushel. Increase of 50%. This is so important that we get this. 50% increase. 50% increase. What does this affect? Corn-fed beef, fuel prices, everything that's got corn in it. You see, what does this? Here's, this is so important that you get this. The value of corn, it did change somewhat. Ethanol and all of that, it, really bad idea, right? It, less power, it's a horrible idea. Ethanol is a horrible idea. All right? So that artificially increased the price. Notice that the increase of corn is 50% when the increase of the other things is between 22 and 27%. What's the difference, government? You see, we don't live in a vacuum. When government enacts laws like ethanol, when they enact these laws, it has an impact in the society. But why is beef 27% more expensive? Why is bacon 22% more expensive? Why has that happened? The value of the beef hasn't changed. The value of the bacon hasn't changed. What changed? The value of the dollar. You see, this is what stimulus does. This is what stimulus does. When you have more of, more of anything, the value of it is less. Why are diamonds valuable? Because of women. <laughs> because diamonds are... Look, I can finally get the ladies to answer about something. <laughs> why are they valuable? Because they're rare. That's why they're valuable. Gravel. How many of you guys wish that women liked gravel? <laughs> is that right? What's the difference? Because gravel is ubiquitous. There's a lot of it. All right, diamonds, there are less. So what happens with money? Why is your money worth less? Because they printed more. Now, I understand some of it's printed, some of it's just electronically out there. But the simple fact is there's more of it out there. Do you know why inflation isn't worse than it is? Because banks aren't loaning. When banks start loaning and that money starts coming into the economy, inflation's going to go crazy. And then we'll really see inflation. So this is what a socialistic ideal does to the country. 
uh, I think it was Margaret Thatcher who said, eventually you run out of other people's money. Is that right? Okay, now. I want you to see this. I've been here since 1997. And so this is the number that we've used. So if I make $50,000 today, that's the same as if I earned $34,000 in 1997. So what's happened? My money, the value of my money, has decreased by 31% since 1997. How many of you have noticed it's harder to get by on what you earn? How many of you are counting on a 30% raise? School teachers in Chicago, right? Look, how many of you are counting on a 30% raise? You see, economic policy, it genuinely does affect you. Um, because Ohio has done better, you know, uh, Governor Kasich took an $8 billion deficit and turned it into a $500 million surplus. So what does that mean? That means that the state's running more efficiently, that businesses can come here. And so the reason that we... Now, we've felt it in the value of our homes... We felt it in, the, in food inflation prices and in gas prices being doubled. We, we feel it there. But we in Ohio haven't felt the effects of the economy in general the way that the rest of the country has, much of the rest of the country has. But economic policy, it affects you. As of two years ago, churches had lost 40% of their income. The average church had lost 40%. Their giving was down by 40%. Think about that. Think about that. You see, the economy affects the ministry. God's laws cannot be violated. And so as we're getting ready to vote, we need to understand that there are different types of government. All right, now, so we've looked at the first two types of government. What's the third type of government? The third type, well, let me make sure. Okay, that's our next point. But the third type of government, the third type of satanic government is this, democracy. Why? Because since the time of Cain, the majority is always wrong. Democrat, we do not live in a democracy. Children, they just lie to you at school every day unless you've got a teacher that understands the truth. How many of you that we're establishing democracy around the world? We need to bring democracy, right? That's, why, that's how you get the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. Why? Because that's what those people wanted. That's not good for those people. You see, democracy is always wrong because the majority is always wrong. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. If God has holy and righteous leadership and the job of the holy and righteous government is to point people to Him, then the idea of the basest and most common person you know, you ask the average person. Ask, just go and ask the average person, who's the vice president of the United States? They don't know. And their vote accounts just as much as yours. What's our only hope? The Electoral College. If it wasn't for the Electoral College, then whatever Los Angeles and New York City wants, that's what we would get. Is that right? And go to New York and talk to those people. 
It's just mind-numbing how ignorant most of America is because they either have no news or they get their news from MTV or The Daily Show or David Letterman. People don't think. They're not able to think. And that's why the Electoral College is so important. Flyover country. That's us. Isn't it interesting that we are going to determine who the next president is? And that's why Hillary Clinton wants to get rid of the Electoral College. How many of you have heard her talk about that? One of her goals is to get rid of the Electoral College. Why? Because it's not true democracy. What does democracy bring you? Slavery. Democracy is a satanic understanding because the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it. I wish I had more time to talk about democracy. Since the fall of man, the majority has always been wrong. To place government in the hands of the people will lead to licentiousness. How many of you want Jerry Springer people to vote on righteousness? Seriously. I promise you, Jerry Springer is more popular than Grace Baptist Church. You see, that's why we need righteous and holy people in government. Um, I have a, we have some things that we're going to give you at the end of the service. One of them is the funeral sermon by Jesse Mercer for gov- his friend, Governor Rabin. Jesse, Jesse Mercer, how many of you heard of Mercer University? That was Jesse Mercer, Baptist preacher, an amazing man. And his friend that was Governor Rabin of uh, Georgia. Well, when he died, Jesse Mercer preached uh, a sermon ide- talking about his friend. And when you look at the righteous and holy man this governor was, you're going to see we've really lowered the standards for what we require of our public officials. So we're going to give that to you. All right, so now, those are the three types of uh, satanic government. What about the three types of godly government? Well, the first is a theocracy. A theocracy. This is where God rules without any human representative. All right, so that's from Adam until the people were in the wilderness. God just said, this is what I'm going to do. Right? That's a theocracy. We understand that. Then a kingdom. In a kingdom, one man is appointed by and accountable to God as the Lord's representative. This goes from Saul through the captivities. This is God speaks directly to a king. He appoints a king and he has that king rule. That's a kingdom. And then there is an assisted monarchy. An assisted monarchy is what you had Moses in the wilderness. Uh, Here you have a king is in power but delegates authority to divinely appointed representatives. This was an effect in the wilderness under Moses and the 70 elders. And this was also manifested in the church. Okay, so go to Exodus 18 with me and I'll show you this. See if this sounds like anything you're familiar with. All the way back in Exodus. Exodus 18, start reading in verse 13. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. Millions of people. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee even from morning unto even. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. 
Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge, uh, and let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened unto the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel, and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons, the hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. Now, it's interesting. This is an assisted monarchy. Where else is this seen? This is the way the church functions. It's the way the church functions. You know, we have our church. I'm the, Jesus Christ is the head. I'm the pastor. Jesus Christ is the head in heaven, and He ordains everything that happens here through the Scriptures. My job is to oversee this underneath the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my job. And then the men in the church, we divide different responsibilities. That's God's leadership. That's the way the church has functioned all the way since the beginning. And this function, this order, was established by Jesus Christ. It's what we do. It's how we function. You know, even in a church our size with, I don't know, some 350 people that would attend here, um, there's no way that I can deal with every problem that those people have. So what are we supposed to do? Bear you one another's burdens. Is that right? We take care of each other, and then the big things bring to me. I'll help you with the big things. I'll help you. Pastor, what kind of paper towel should we get for the bathroom? I don't care. I don't care. They just need to work. I don't care. I don't know. You, you see, what, see what we're talking about? This is the way that it works. The other thing that happens is we'll pass a budget. The whole church passes the budget. We don't talk to you before we go and buy the paper clips. You know, I've got a budget. I think it's $1,500 a year to buy books. I don't go to you to talk about what book I'm going to buy or when I'm going to buy it. Is that right? Because that stuff's determined. That's the way that government works. How, how many, do you see how that's exactly the way that our government works? Why? Because Dom, Thomas Jefferson visited the business meeting and saw the functions of a Baptist church, and he said that would be the best form of government for our country. So our government, what did they want to do with George Washington? Make him king. He wouldn't let that happen. He said no. So what do we have? What do we have? We had a spiritual understanding of government in this country. Godly leadership, the best, brightest, godly representatives from each community governing the people. That's not democracy. 
That's a representative republic just like we had all the way back in Exodus 18. But what was one of the first qualifications? Not covetous. Do you see that in the text? What's the problem with our government? It's covetous. Lobbyists. Imagine this. There'll be, uh, there'll be more than a billion dollars spent on this election. Two billion. More than two billion dollars. It, it just becomes very covetous. It's wrong. It's wrong. And what, what, that's what democracy does as opposed to a republic. So those are the different types of government. But not only are there different types of government, there are different types of thinking. Different types of thinking. There's biblical thinking. Now, stay with me for a minute. I'm not going to keep you forever. But I want you to see this right here. And we'll probably just have to finish this tonight. I hope you'll come back. Um, how many of you will come back tonight if I cut it in half? How many of you will not come back tonight? You're not planning on being here? You have, you know, you've got so many things more important. Okay. Um, so no one raised their hand, so I expect everyone to be here, or you're a liar. Look, there are different types of thinking. There's biblical thinking. Biblical thinking is based on faith. Faith in the Word of God, is that right? And because of our faith in the Word of God, then we have beliefs. So biblical thinking begins with faith, and then you believe, and then your, your faith and your belief extends to our logic and the way that we discern truth. Would you agree with that? That's biblical thinking. Secular thinking is faith. It's faith in secularism. And then it leads to belief. That is that we can determine everything. There's no such thing as the supernatural. All there is is us. You understand that that's faith, and that's the foundational belief, and their logic is based on that. And I have question mark next to logic. And so I want you to understand. Now, I think now we're going to show a video so some of you can wake up now. All right? And I want you to see this. Different types of thinking. How many of you get that there are different types of government? Right? And we vote. Our vote does really influence that. And now I want you to see that there's different types of thinking. And let's make sure that you can hear it. Listen carefully. Imagine an America where strip mines are fun and free, where gays can be fixed and sick people just die, and oil fills the sea. We don't have to pay for freeways. Our schools are good enough. Give us endless wars on foreign shores and lots of Chinese stuff. We're the children of the future. American through and through When something happened to our country And we're kind of blaming you We haven't killed all the polar bears But it's not for lack of trying The earth is cracked, green bird is sacked And the atmosphere is frying Congress went home early They did their best, we know Cut spending with elections pending Unless it's welfare though We're the children of the future American through and through But something happened to our country And we're kind of blaming you Find a park that is still open Take a breath of poison air They proposed a place to build a weapon in space 
is all dumped down, and the long term's kind of a drag. We're the children of a future. Could you understand the words of that? There are different kinds of thinking. And we're going to go through this. And we're going to demonstrate... Uh, you now, you, you understand that this is the thinking of most of the country. Let's, let's go through it. Imagine an America where strip mines are fun and free. Because one of the greatest problems we have in America are strip mines. Is that right? No. No. You understand that when a, a mining company comes in and they do that, that they, by law, they plant trees there when they're done. And in the meantime, we have energy and we have jobs. Is that right? I'm going to try not to just lose my mind through this. Where gays can be fixed, they can through the Word of God. They can be. Um, I don't have it here. I wish I had brought it in here. Judge Scalia said sodomy laws. Sodomy was a criminal act in every state for 200 years. And I mentioned in Sunday school, as soon as I say this, there are people in this room that are going, oh, oh don't say anything about homosexuality. I know somebody. Yeah, and they're going to die. They're going to have diseases. Their life is going to be ruined and destroyed because it is against God's order and it's an abomination. And yes, gays can be fixed by the Word of God. Amen? That's not hate speech. It's hateful to tell a kid that that's an acceptable alternative lifestyle. It's not okay. It'll ruin them. It'll kill them. You've got to be a liberal to think like this. Now look, and sick people just die. How many of you want sick people just to die? But how many of you think it's your responsibility to pay for your neighbor's health care? You see, it's just, it's just insane. And then, look at this, and oil fills the sea. And oil fills the sea. How much is our, of our globe is covered with water? How much? Two-thirds, 70%. Right? and oil fills the sea, then why is it 380 a gallon? <laughs> Just got to take your brain out and play with it. You understand there's more oil coming up from cracks in the bottom of the ocean than were spilled in any oil spill. It just happens every day. It happens every day. I have found chunks of oil, hardened oil, on the, on the beach. How many of you have ever seen that? There's no oil rigs anywhere near there. Where's it coming from? It's coming from the ground. You ready for this? Oil is organic. But these are just brain-dead children who've been lied to by the brain-dead idiot who wrote this thing. Okay? Was that harsh? It's just, it, it's just unbelievably, this is unbelievably stupid. 
There are different kinds of thinking, and these are the people that are influencers in our country. You know who made this commercial? The guy that made the Got Merc, Got, got, Merc, got Milk commercials. And the purpose of this was to re-elect President Obama because of the future. That's what he said. Now, look, we don't have to pay for freeways. Really? Our schools are good enough. Okay, so the answer, the answer to our schools being good enough, $10,000 a student isn't enough. $13,000 a student in some places isn't enough. So the issue is more money. We need more money. More money. Look at, give us endless wars on foreign shores and lots of Chinese stuff. Well, why are these wars being fought? You know why they're endless? Because we're not allowed to win. Now, we could discuss the morality of whether or not we should have even gone to some of these places. And I debate whether we should have gone to some of these places. But if we're going to go, win and come home. Why don't we win? Because of multiculturalism. And lots of Chinese stuff. Why is that? Because of the dollar. All right? We're children of the future, America through, American through and through. That's scary right there. But something happened to our country, and we're kind of blaming you. We haven't killed all the polar bears. That's right. There's lots of them. They're okay. <laughs> and look, I want you to think about something. Only in a wealthy country, only in a wealthy country, do you worry about polar bears. Is that right? Everywhere else, they'll eat them. Until they're all gone. And then they'll eat something else. And that's okay. I like what somebody said, that he would drill through Dancer's head if there was oil there. Amen? We're crazy. These are animals. We have dominion over them. Is that right? Yeah, they'll still be there for the Coke commercial. It's okay. We haven't killed all the polar bears, but it's not for lack of trying. The earth is cracked. Really, where? Where's the earth? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Technically, yes. Yeah, one of the cracks is called the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Now, look, this is all so silly. There's not, the, the, the air's cleaner now than it was 80 years ago. They're just lying. Big Bird is sacked. Big Bird has $450 million in the bank. I'm serious. Sesame Street, the Sesame Street Playhouse, they have $450 million in the bank. Big Bird is sacked. They're just liars. And the atmosphere is frying. Really? Where there's freedom, there is clear. Where there's communism, like in China, you can't breathe. It's interesting. Congress went home early. They did their best. We know they did. The government is the answer for everything, right? They did the best they could. No, they didn't. You can't cut spending with elections pending unless it's welfare dough. Yes. Yes. To go from, to go from 30 million people on food stamps to 47 million people on food stamps, that's bad. Let's get an economy where that doesn't have to happen. Is that right? Um, find a park that is still open. Yeah, they're all over the place. And take a breath of poison air. Where? 
They foreclosed your place to build a weapon in space. Man, those banks, they build all these weapons. Mike Phillips. He's a weapons designer. Did you know that? He's the man. Not too many people can close a mortgage and build a rocket. But you can write off your au pair. How many of you think those kids know what an au pair is? It's a little awkward to tell you, but you left us holding the bag. Why? Because of all the welfare. When we look around, the place is all dumbed down. How did that happen? How is it all dumbed down? And the long term's kind of a drag. That's true. Now look at what this says. You did your best. You failed the test. Mom and dad, we're blaming you. So let's just turn our kids against their parents. Let's do that. You know, that's exactly what John Dewey, the father of modern education, that's what his desire was. To turn their children away from their parents. Folks, we have to understand there's a different kind of thinking. There's a different kind of thinking. We don't think like this. We don't think like this. But half the country that votes thinks like this. Is that right? And, of course, Governor Romney got in trouble for saying that. It's just true. It's just true. So when we talk about culture wars, how did we get here? How did we get to this place? There's no such thing as right and wrong. There's no such thing as morality. And that's where we go here. There are different types of morality. See, there are different types of government. There's different types of thinking. And that's all based because there are different types of morality. How do we have these different types of morality? Well, look at this. This debate is indeed historic. We have two Catholic candidates, first time on a stage such as this. And I would like to ask you both to tell me what role your religion has played in your own personal views on abortion. Please talk about how you came to that decision. Talk about how your religion played a part in that. And please, this is such an emotional issue for so many people sure. in this country. Please talk personally about this, if you could. My religion uh, defines who I am. And uh, I've been a practicing Catholic my whole life. Um, and uh, it is particularly informed my social doctrine. Catholic social doctrine talks about taking care of those who, uh, who uh, can't take care of themselves, uh, people who need help. Um, with, regard to, um, with regard to abortion, I accept my church's position on abortion as a, what we call de fide doctrine. Life begins at conception. That's the church's judgment. I accept it in my personal life. But I refuse to impose it on equally devout Christians and Muslims and Jews. And, uh, I just refuse to impose that on others, unlike my friend here, the, the congressman. Uh, I, uh, I do not believe that, um, uh, that we have a right to tell other people that women, they, they can't control their body. It's a decision between them and their doctor, in my view. In the Supreme Court, I'm not going to interfere with that. Okay, different kinds of morality, different kinds of morality. He has a personal faith that says that social doctrine says that you help the poor. So you can impose that with law. But when the 
Catholic doctrine says not to kill babies. We can't impose that with law. Do you see that that's a, that's a different way of thinking? It's a different kind of morality. How many of you see that? It's a, it's a different way of thinking. It's, it doesn't make sense. Because if you really believe something, then that's the way that you vote. Those are the laws that you enact. You have core beliefs for a reason. Um, one of the things that I, that I get tired of is just the term abortion. They're killing children. They're killing children. You know, he said that they want women to control their bodies. Is that right? So do we. Don't have relations outside of marriage. Control your body. That's what we're asking for. You see how we have a different kind of morality? It's a different kind of morality. What about rape and incest? Kill the rapist. Kill the incestuous perpetrator. Don't kill the baby. We have a different kind of morality. That uh, congressman or the guy that's running for the Senate in Indiana, when asked about uh, this, uh, about rape, he said, a child resulting from rape, he said, that child be a gift from God. And all these Republicans are backing away from it. That child would be a gift from God. Amen. Every child is a gift from God. Amen. Is that right? Amen. So here's the alternative. Let that baby be born, grab it by the feet, and smash its head on the sidewalk. Just kill it. Or, or before it's born, how about you just scald it with, in, in a saline solution, burn it to death. Or let it, be, let it live a little bit longer and partially deliver it and chop it up. How about that? How about that? This, this discussion is mind-boggling to me. And because of women, because of the female vote, politicians are afraid to talk about it. How many of you women here will? You choose to talk about it. You see, I don't think that women are as brain dead as the politicians tell us. Amen? I think that this whole idea, it's false. And I think that if uh, people say, you know, people didn't want the, the presidential candidates to fight with each other too bad because it makes women nervous. How many of you heard that? Okay. But chopping babies up doesn't make women nervous. I think they have selective nervousness if that's the case. Somehow we've got to get these discussions back to reality, folks. We've got to get them back to reality. And there is a different there are different kinds of government. There are different types of thinking and there are different types of morality. You see, our morality is based on the fact that we believe in a moral lawgiver. And that moral lawgiver establishes laws of the universe, and we submit to those laws of the universe, or we bear in our bodies the consequences of those actions. Is that right? Well, the kind of morality that Joe Biden is talking about rejects the concept of a moral lawgiver. 
It rejects that. And it says, I'm the one who can decide. I can decide what I want to do with my own body. But they want me to wear a seatbelt. Not only do they want me to, they force me to. Is that right? You see, there's no logic to this thinking. There's no logic to it at all. Why? Why? Because it's satanic. We have to get this. It is satanic. Now look, if you're not from here, you've not been around here, you don't know where we're coming from, this is just the truth. It is just the truth. Oh, I, I just read a book about the Holocaust and just the way the Nazis were so horrible to the Jews. Just disgusting and horrible. And that's exactly what we do to babies every day in this country. There is no difference. You're just hateful. Man, you're absolutely right. I hate it when people kill little babies. Man, I hate that. Look, this stuff has to change. It has to change. And Christians have to be willing to stand up for the truth and speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. You know, we may have killed the next Einstein. We may have killed the next Salk. We may have killed the next inventor. We may have killed the person to cure cancer. Is that right? Look, but the Muslims are pr producing babies like crazy. The Hindus are producing cr babies like crazy. But here in America, we just kill them. In Europe, we just kill them. And just as an aside, the reason that Margaret Sanger established Planned Parenthood was to kill black babies. That's why she started it. And to kill poor babies. That's where it came from. So, folks, we have to understand that there are different types of government... There are different types of thinking and there are different types of morality. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our country. Not only that, but there are different types of Christians. There, there are Christians who believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are Christians who believe that the Word of God is absolutely true and is our final authority. Is that right? There are people who call themselves Christians who don't believe those things. If a person believes in a work salvation, they're not a Christian according to the Word of God. Is that right? If a person believes in a different God, if they don't believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, if they don't believe that, they're not a Christian. They're not a Christian. There are different types of Christianity. There's liberal Christianity. Liberal Christianity is anti-capitalism, anti-traditional values, and anti-Israel. Is that right? That's liberal theology. That's liberal theology. That is not Christian. Mormonism. Mitt Romney. That is not Christianity. Please don't let anyone confuse you on that. Next Sunday, I was going to do it tonight, but I want, I want everyone to be here. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to do a message on Mormonism. So you can understand what Mormonism is. Next Sunday morning, have someone here for that. We have a guest who's going to be with us, but he's not preaching. He's presenting some of his work, um, Phil Clayton. But I'm preaching on Mormonism next Sunday. I want you to know what it is. But let me tell you what Mormonism, some of their tenets that they believe. They're pro-capitalism. They are pro-traditional values, and they're pro-Israel. Now, the reason they're pro-Israel is really weird. 
You know, the people came from the Tower of Babel to the east side of Central America, 2000 B.C. And 600 B.C., before the captivity, Jews came on ships to the west side of Central America. And so Mormons believe that they're actually Jews, and so they're pro-Israel. It's really weird, right? But pro-capitalism, pro-traditional values, and pro-Israel. So Barack Obama calls himself a Christian. Now, his pastor was a Marxist. His mother was a Marxist. His father was a Marxist. His grandparents were Marxists. His friends in college, according to his own biography, were Marxists. The people in his administration are Marxists. And what are they? Anti-capitalism, anti-traditional values, and anti-Israel. I'm going to tell you something that will blow your mind. You ready, you ready to have your mind blown? How many of you would just rather go to lunch? <laughs> Mackenzie, I'm going to make you stay and listen to it all again. You ready to have your mind blown? You know where Valerie Jarrett was born? In Iran. Valerie Jarrett is her number one advisor, is President Obama's number one advisor. She grew up speaking Persian and French. These people didn't grow up like us. They don't understand us. They have a completely different worldview. Hillary Clinton's chief of staff has ties to the Muslim Brotherhood. These people are anti-capitalism, anti-traditional values, and anti-Israel. Can we just finish this up? Go to Genesis 12, 3. I know some of you are thinking, man, it was all good. just got weird at the end. Verse 2, Genesis 12, 2. And I will make of thee a great nation. This is to Abram. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Look, God says we're either going to bless Israel and be blessed or we'll curse Israel and be cursed. How many of you know there's a big storm coming? Where's it going to hit? Washington. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. How many of you thought about that as soon as you saw this big storm coming? Are you ready for this? This is the most antagonistic administration to Israel since Israel became a nation. And this is the largest hurricane in recorded history. Folks, it matters how we vote. Because here in America, we get the government that we deserve. So what are we going to do? We need to come boldly for our country. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for wisdom on how we speak to our friends. We, Shelby County is going to go Republican. Right? But then what are we going to get when we have Mitt Romney? We need to make sure that our representatives are conservatives. That they are constitutionalists. That they are anti-government control of everything. Amen? We've got to vote. We've got to pray for these judges. We've got to pray and vote. Come boldly for your country. Dear Heavenly Father.